This is Great Disturbances, a Star Wars podcast. Each week, hosts Rich and Paul discuss Star Wars media, no matter what form it takes. All right, welcome back. I am Rich. I am Paul. And we are, again, talking about the Tales of the Jedi series from formerly Dark Horse, now from Marvel, from the 90s. This will be the uh, third episode in a row that we're dealing with this, and we're, we're digging into the, the past of the, the Sith and the Jedi. Uh, Three in a row? God, I'm fucking sick of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not sick of it. I'm not sick of it. <laughs> but I thought I, I thought I better break into this episode with a real, like, right. real humdinger of a whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. But this is, this is the fourth arc in this storyline. We've got the original arc of Tales of the Jedi, and then the Freedom Nad Uprising, which was two, two issues. Mm-hmm. And then we've had the Dark Lords of the Sith. And now we are on to the Sith War, which this, this kind of follows the story of the Jedi uh, Ulic Kaldrama and uh, Nomi Sunrider and, the, and Exar Kun, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens after the uh, fall to the dark side for Exar Kun and for Ulic Kaldrama. So that's, that's kind of where we are. A little quick catcher up there, right? Should we do? Should we do a synopsis or a quick, whatever? Oh, uh, oh. what uh, what happens breakdown? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Okay, so so basically, what goes on here is this is uh, Ulik and Exar Kun deciding that they are going to basically take down the whole galaxy. They're going to drop drop it a whole thing, and they have two opposing ways that they want to do it. Uh, Ulik yeah. decides that he's going to go balls to the wall and hit Coruscant right off the bat. And Exar Kun wants to go and recruit more Jedi um, to his side. So they, they both go their separate ways, and Exar Kun's like, yeah, go ahead. And if, uh, you know, if you fail, then, yeah, whatever. It's cool. We'll be it's fine. It's such a weird, yeah. like, it's, it's very different. Like, we can get into it, but it's very different than how you think of, like, the Master Apprentice thing going. Yeah, it's, yeah, because, it, yeah. because Olik doesn't really, like, obey Exar Kun. He just no. does his own thing. And yeah. Maybe this gets refined later because this is, this is for all intents and purposes, this is Order sixty six. What happens here, right? I mean, they start in a, in a sense, yeah. In a sense, right? I mean, they they at one point Exar Kun, you know, decides to go and send send his new apprentices to go and kill all the Jedi masters, all the masters, yeah. and the apprentices will fall. That's kind of the arc, you know, what happens, and, and it kind of resolves Nomi and uh, Ulik a little bit, and Ulik and K, yeah, uh, a little bit, and we get a little bit more in depth with what's going on with Exar Kun, which really kind of threw me for a loop because he kind of, I got the feeling he, he still thought of himself as a Jedi. See, okay, okay. So before, let's get into that. But yeah. let's just, so let me just put the bookend on it here. Yeah. What, the, the very end is Nomi Sunrider cuts Ulick off from the Force. Right. Yes, um, with, her, so that's, with her power, yeah. So that's the end of him being a, like a dark side guy. He can't yeah. touch the force at all anymore, light or dark. Right. right. And then the, all the Jedi like gather like a massive fleet and go to Yavin Four and they like they they want to shut down Exar Kun, so they all kind of combine their powers or whatever. But right. Exar Kun kind of escapes into like the spirit realm or whatever before they can like fully like capture him, so to speak. Right. Because Exar Kun makes an appearance thousands of years later in the Kevin J. Anderson, by the way, who wrote these stories. Right, right, yeah. In the Kevin J. Anderson uh, Jedi Academy 
novels, which were also, which were being written and published at the same time. Oh, okay. So I didn't realize so they were being of, published at the same time. That's it cool. kind of makes sense that that like this, all this stuff is fleshed out because the Master Voto, Master Voto also makes an appearance in the novels. Because okay, he also says the name. Yeah. When when uh, when Exar Kun is like, "Aha, you're dead." Bzzop. Yeah. Voto is like, uh-uh, "We're not done yet, bro." You know what I mean? He says right. something to that effect. And so later on, thousands of years later, they they have more story happen in those books. And I don't remember the details of it. I'm just saying, like, since the books were being written at the same time as these comics, or yeah. in relation to by the same author, there is this like weaving of, like, you hear this talk about this in the books, here's the 4,000 years ago story of meh, right? Right, right. So that's kind of, that ties these things together in some way. I, I like other that. ways to tie it together, but it, yeah, it, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I like that too, because he has then the opportunity to, for anybody that wants more info, they can go to the comics and get more info about those characters yeah. that are appearing, yeah. which, is, which is cool. I like that. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Now, Exar Kun kind of, I got the feeling that he still considered himself a Jedi at first, but then I thought maybe he was like trying to make them like the apprentices that he like swiped, you know, made them maybe make them feel a little more at home, you know, but then again, later he refers yeah. to himself as a Jedi and I'm like, okay, see, I was being a Jedi mean then the, okay. So the way that I read what XR Kun was doing in this, in this whole set of novels, I took it, under the guise of since at the end of the previous arc, the dark Lords of the Sith series, the very last scene is the ancient Sith spirit, like searing a symbol on both Exar Kun and Elka Keldroma's heads that anything happening from the beginning until some other thing happened. What I took that to mean was that basically Exar Kun and Ula Keldroma are under the sway of the dark side. They are, they consider themselves Sith, whatever that means. Okay. So, so that's that's how I interpreted it. But so, what that meant to me was that when Exar Kun was like reeling in the the vulnerable Padawans and stuff like that, yeah. he was being deceitful. He was saying, "Here are some more Jedi things you can learn about. Here are some more Jedi powers that are teach you about." But in reality, he was like, "No, it's Sith stuff, dude. I'm gonna make right. it Sith." Well, or yeah, make, they, or make you serve my purposes, Sith. Right. Because right? when he, because he says, when they get to Yavin Four and he's standing on the steps with the holocron, he says, uh, "Watch, I'll demonstrate this and I'll, I'll show you why, whatever." And he, he smashes the holocron, and then the shards bury themselves in a couple of the Jedi who are there, right? And then just turn them to the dark side, and that's what Exar Kun wanted. Yet so, another way to turn to the dark side. Also, yeah, it fits. <laughs> by the way, uh, that fits. So I had this, this series to me had a couple of balancing things in terms or, or I, I'm balancing isn't the right word, but it had a few flavors of things that fit more closely to what I kind of thought, at least in the past or whatever, how a dark Jedi or a Sith would go about their business. Okay. Because un, until he smashed the holocron and made that like, shot them with the shards or whatever mm-hmm. he was reeling them in already right right so until he smashed the holocron i was like i i was i was kind of on board for him being deceitful to those jedi because that to me is how you turn somebody 
is sure. yeah, oh, absolutely. lie and lie and manipulate and that kind of stuff. That's it's what we've been shown like, in the movies. So. It's what it's what we've been shown in the movies. Yeah. It also just because I'm I'm like well, all of us have, bring our own preferences to the material. Right. It also it's also my preferred way of doing it, rather than as we discussed, like a secret Sith poison or <laughs> swallow this Sith pill or whatever. You know, like no, no, no. That's that's like it feels like a little bit of a bullshit thing to me. Right. To, to do that. That is also kind of related to me in that. So you know how Nomi Nomi Sunrider like blasts Ulick with the lightsaber of the Force and cuts yeah. him off. Yeah. From the Force. I also kind of don't like that. You know what I mean? Seems not, a little overpowered. Terms, I, almost not. Almost not in terms of like. It's almost like it tells the story kind of nice, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it like that's also one of those things that like kind of pushes the force a little bit in a way that I don't like the force being created or whatever. I. <laughs> I'm going to be one of those people, I think, the whole time that we do this podcast or whatever, where, <laughs> where like, nobody is going to match how I really would love to hear the Force depicted, you know, because I'm bringing all of my baggage to sure. how I would want the Force to be if I was writing a story that depicted the Force in a certain way. So right. maybe I should just need to fucking write a story. <laughs> that, maybe that you should, it, dude. That does it the way that I want it to be done, you know what I mean? And not, like... Not by secret Sith daggers and, you know, the shards that bubble into your hands and shit like that. Sith poison. (laughs) Now, now I fully expect that in the next issue, there's going to be Sith birth control, like (laughs) Sith condoms that they're going to, they're going to fuck the Sith into people. (laughs) Here's the dark side. (laughs) Except, except here's what it would be. They wouldn't like, they'd be regular condoms. And right. then, like, somebody would find a secret Sith, like, urn or whatever, of, like, <laughs> of, like Sith semen or whatever, and then open it, and then, like, little spirits of, like, Sith sperm would, like, right. would, would come out of it and, like, possess the condoms, right? So that, so that the condoms would only allow would only allow dark side sperm to get through or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> this something is, this is, something weirdo yeah. shit like that, you know? We're on our way to a Star Wars porn here. We're, I <laughs> We, take some we, notes are, here. we are barreling toward it. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not the only one that felt like that felt a little out of place then, right? This this thing with Nomi and she Yeah. The idea yeah. that she can cut people off from the force, sure, that's fine. But this whole blasting the light side at someone, like it's a like it's music or something, you know. That just yeah. it didn't sit right with me. Okay. So this is gonna be a weird question. Do you have to be a, a force user to be a Jedi. Are the two interlocked? Because you can be force sensitive and not be a Jedi. Can you be a Jedi and not force sensitive? Like the way Ulick responds to that cutoff seems to think say that he thinks you can't be a Jedi and not touch the force in some way. And that, dude, that is a great question that I think, like, let me try to get an answer for you from my perspective. But also that question gets to the heart too of like, how you and I continue to have these like, yeah, but no thoughts about how the force and the Jedi and the Sith and the whatever are continue to be depicted in these things. Because like, it seems like to the people in that universe, the force is necessary, but not sufficient to be a Jedi. Meaning you must have that ingredient and you must have like eight of 13 other things. Right. (laughs) Because, because some Jedi 
in these books and in other places, like there are some creatures who are Jedi who like could not wield a lightsaber. You know what I mean? Like they don't have the right like appendages or whatever to do lightsabering. Not and, not trees, but you know other things. Yeah, and then and then there's <laughs> fucking tree then, thing killed me. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. just to interrupt here what i'm talking specifically about is there's a panel in the comic where the 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 tree jedi and i can't ever remember his name but he was trying to protect the lightsabers from the blast from this the supernova that was going to happen and, also what yeah like, right yeah that buddy you, you like yeah. sorry dude that's not a good sacrifice <laughs> bigger fish to fry dude bigger fish to yeah fry. so like and so he turns himself into like an actual tree instead of just being a person made of wood and dangling from said tree is an arm wielding a lightsaber and i was like oh he's gonna fend him off i really wanted to see like you know them fighting with the arm anyway, the, just the, yeah the one arm just the one dangly tree arm with a lightsaber on it yeah yeah also, yeah, but by the way, but like, dude, what what kind of strategy is that anyway for That's a really fucked protecting? Up like, what? Like, there's a there's so much sci-fi wrong with what happens there, but also the like, there's this like this shockwave from like ten stars going supernova at once or whatever. Right. Like, how is you turning into a tree gonna save anything from this blast? Well, but also, <laughs> also, 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 yeah, is that it only takes a few hours for this blast to get from wherever it happened to them. Right. Not feasible. Not, right. not realistic <laughs> right. at all. That would but, be, it would be years, right. Decades until such a thing, such a blast wave reached a, a, a planet, not in the same system as right. those stars. And his, his strategy didn't really work out for him either. Yeah. When it hit him, it's like just toasted him. He's like, he just oh. toasted him and right. presumably also those old lightsabers. Way to go, buddy. Good job. So Hop on a Star Cruiser? Nah, fuck that. I'm going to turn into just a tree. Should have at least, like, kicked some sand in Xar Kun's eye or whatever and try to, like, stop him, you know? <laughs> Instead of doing what you did, which didn't happen to be useful, you know? Didn't do much of anything. It didn't do much of anything. Although, yeah. okay, actually, hold on. Yeah. I actually take that back because he prevented Xar Kun from getting the lightsabers. Well, that's true. That's yeah, true. That's true. Huh. I think this, so this is one of those things that I think is different for every writer or every era of Star Wars or whatever is how easy is it to get a lightsaber is right. a question that seems to be answered differently depending on when and where you are yeah. or what author you're reading or whatever, right? It seems like inevitably they have to make their own lightsaber, but did you ever play Little League when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. Play Little League? You know how like you can bring your own bat, but then the coach also has like the like best bat stash, yeah. like a stash of bats and shit you yeah know? like bats that are hanging off the the chain yeah. fence right that's what that's what being a jedi is like in the old in the old republic the old days yeah right? during this like during you're the supposed to make it but like they've got a storeroom <laughs> in the back that has you know <laughs> you know what until you make your lightsaber why don't you take one of these off the wall over here <laughs> from all of your fallen jedi before you because because when the Jedi die, their lightsaber does not die with them. Right. You can be like, blam, haha, I got you, Jedi. Now your lightsaber is mine, and I will turn right. it on and do lightsabery things. That's, right. It's just that's that's the way it goes. Or you could just turn into a, a half droid, half uh, half human creature that you know collects them and then starts like has oh, yeah. four arms and spins them at people. And- yeah. And yet somehow manages to not be like has all those advantages. Right. And cannot 
cannot feed a guy who just has one. Like, <laughs> come on, bro. Hey, while we're on the topic of lightsabers, was this the first time that we ever see a double-bladed lightsaber? Dude, dude, dude. Dude. Uh, I have in my notes here. <laughs> I have in my notes here. Yeah. XR Kuhn dash double-bladed lightsaber OG? Yeah. Question mark? Because right. I had the same thought. Is this the first time a double-bladed lightsaber ever makes an appearance? I feel like it might be. Now, this it is 1993. Now, think about this. George Lucas might have taken that from that. Oh, for sure. He might have mined that from it. Like, oh, I never thought of that. I would put that in this. Like, yeah. And this whole, like, kill the Jedi thing, you know? Like, oh, you're going to have all your troops kill the Jedi. He probably took that from here, too, you know? I mean... Who the hell knows, but... It's all... It all became... Back then, it all became canon, so... Right, right. Like, it was free to be, you know, taken again or whatever, right? Like, especially... This is actually an interesting... In our universe, but out of the Star Wars universe question, if George Lucas had just made the film heir to the empire, would he have had to pay Timothy Zahn any more things? I don't know how the rights worked, I guess. Oh, for that's that interesting. Stuff. That's, that's, you know interesting. what I mean? Yeah. So in other words, in other words, freely borrowing from those or from anything under the Lucas banner, is it even a problem for him to just take it and be like, yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Yeah. You know, huh. not that I'm not, and I'm not saying that order 66 somehow owes its existence solely to this thing or oh, yeah. is no. or is plagiarism of some sort right no I, I, I didn't mean to imply and, that. and you're not saying that either i know but the the bigger question for me is would it even be plagiarism who who has the ip for those things as as they go in terms of uh star wars and story elements and that kind of stuff see and know? i don't i don't know the answer but i am almost 100 percent certain that Lucas owned all of this because it all it was all published under Lucasfilm in one way, shape, or form, right? I'm guessing it was a lot like, say, Marvel Comics, where Dave Cockrum and Len Wein, they created um, Nightcrawler, right? So if Marvel Comics wants to use Nightcrawler in whatever the hell way they want to, they, they can, you know? They don't have to pay those guys a red cent. Right. Yeah. So I feel like this was probably the same thing with Zahn and any of the other authors creating characters within the fiction realms that could maybe potentially be borrowed, like 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 Thrawn's being borrowed into the, uh, into oh, yeah. the mainline, you know, Marvel or Marvel, our mainline Star Wars universe, right? Might as well be Marvel, um, but yeah. It might as well be and again, and again, I didn't mean to imply that he had stolen that. I just think that like maybe no. he might have been influenced by this, right? And and thought, hey, geez, that's a great idea. You know, maybe I should maybe I should pepper that into this. I can thing. sew that element into right. how I go about doing right. what I'm doing for the films. And even if he did, like you said, who, who the hell cares? It's his stuff who, anyway. Yeah, he that idea if he wants to. Just like legally, he he can be like, fuck you, I own it. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Or could anyway before. Not yeah, anymore. could. Yeah. Now, now it's the mouse. He owns it. Now the mouse owns everyone's souls. That's right. <laughs> Including mine, my dark, dark soul. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, uh, who am I, I? Like, don't ever misinterpret me saying that as somehow being above it. Like, I pay the fucking subscription to Disney Plus too. So, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm like the guy having a beer while the revolution goes on or whatever, you know? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I support those guys, but it's warm in this tap room or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely uh, definitely. Or, I don't know. Pick a better analogy, but that's that's how I am with I, this. Like, I can piss and moan, but 
I'm still giving them my money. So right, right, and I'll I'll continue to give them my money. Yeah, they'll make a ton of money off me. So what are you gonna do? Right, they've got yeah. they've got a lot of good stuff now. So here's something that that struck me again with the some Jedi fade, some Jedi do not. Odan Ur, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He faded, and he died. He became one with the Force, and his body mm-hmm. just disappeared. Right. Yeah. Nomi Sunrider's husband's body did not disappear. That motherfucker uh, flew on the ship with her all the way. <laughs> you know? Like his dead body was with her that whole time, you know? And, and well, and yeah. And yet Why? he was still a force apparition too. Right. You yeah. Know, yeah. He, that's right. He still was. He still, he was like, Hey, Nomi, I may be dead, but you're a kick-ass Jedi in the future. So go right. get him, girl. How does that work? So that's very, it works by the magic of being inconsistent and no one really gives a, a shit except us probably, I guess. <laughs> it, but I mean, but I mean, it, it, you, you make a valid point that I hadn't thought of was the, like the, huh. when you, when you sort of, when you get subsumed into the force, every other time we see it, you, the body disappears. Right. You know, and then you're like, I don't know. How, I don't know why that matters, but it does somehow. Well, and we, um, and we talked about it in the Clone Wars episode because the, the, there were all those dead Jedi at Geonosis didn't disappear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And so did they, yeah. So did they not become forced apparitions or whatever? Is this a heaven hell thing? Wait. Better yet, is this a, is this a reincarnation thing? Maybe they don't get to, maybe they don't get to go to the force until they get that shit right. They so get their they yeah. they follow their bodhisattva and get the path correct and then they can That's walk right. into the right the, the nothingness of nirvana or whatever and and be wow um, I, I kind of yeah. hope that that's the case because that's actually I mean cool. that could be interesting if if like if Jedi or or maybe just pockets of the Force or whatever like if you're a if you're a Jedi and you die in battle or get killed some other way and you haven't yet achieved whatever it is that gets you to be a force ghost and sort of traverse the next thing mm. is your, is your force energy just like sort of drifting through the cosmos awaiting a new body or a new place to inhabit or whatever until such time as you are re-embodied and then make it to that point of, uh, of, of force transcendence or whatever you want to call it or tease it out more, tease it out for me. What do, what do you think? And is this a, and what do you think? And is this something that is worth becoming part of your headcanon in the force? Huh? Shit. I don't know. Um, I don't okay, know. Because it, I'll tell you what, I'm certainly going to be thinking about it now. Yeah. Yeah. As we see more Jedi die and disappear or not disappear as the case may be. And I, okay. So my take on that is that is entirely possible. And when you said, you know, is, 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 is their spirit just kind of floating around? in the universe until they find another body to inhabit or whatever. It made me think of the idea that Palpatine created Anakin. There's that whole idea that he manipulated the force to create Anakin. And if so, was he just pulling down some Jedi that died and didn't transcend? Hmm. Is Anakin reincarnated from someone previous? Let me propose continued addenda to this theory, whether or not it pans out for you or whatever, or for me or whatever. But in Rise of Skywalker, we, at, t- at the very end, when Rey is like sort of reaching for 
just trying to dig deep and like fight back. Yeah. She hears the voice of all these Jedi from the past. Right. And whatever, like speaking to her. I mean, one, one interpretation is that, is that like, okay, so Jedi dies and he or she is not attuned enough yet or whatever to sort of transcend to the next layer. And, and maybe so there's a little pocket of force energy that can be reapplied to something else that's born or whatever at that point. It's not like Darth Sidious killed Kid Fisto, right? In, right. The, in episode three. Right. And he, we didn't see him transcend. So he, let's just say he didn't. And his little pocket of force energy drifts out in the universe. And then like it, it appears somewhere else and someone else is born with a force connection. It may or may not be the case that that pocket is like the entirety of Kit Fisto contained and then regrown rather just that sort of amount of energy is reavailable in the force. Okay. Right. Sure. And then, and then maybe, and then maybe like sort of has tendrils to all this other stuff too. Right. So if that pocket like finds another host or whatever, yeah. and then sort of joins that host, those little tendrils are all also connected to it, right? So whatever pocket found its way to Ray all had the tendrils from all the Jedi in the past. And maybe all the pockets of the Force do that, right, in this theory. Huh. Um, which is why she could sort of tap into, because her gift was so great, that right. maybe she could, like, she could like pluck all the strings of that harp in that moment and hear the resonance of Anakin and the resonance of Obi-Wan and the resonance of Yoda and the resonance of Qui-Gon and the resonance of this and that and the other as she is like digging deep to like resist Palpatine's like blast at her. I mean, I'm, I'm again, I'm just like spitballing off the wall here. That's cool. And whether or not it fits your theory or not, I'm just sort of offering those uh, thoughts about the, the process. Sure. Right. To you. I don't know if it fits my theory or not. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to spend some time thinking about it because it is, it is in its infancy, right? This right. idea. I kind of I, I kind of like the idea, but I'm not 100% sold on it. Yeah, and and it's one of those things that I kind of want to contemplate as as whatever wherever we go next, I want to contemplate that because like hold it in your mind as you right. do the next thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. I like that. One one thing I wanted to come back to we touched yeah. on this a little bit ago was the master apprentice relationship, right? And and what it is with the Sith, because because as we said. Like Exar Kun and Ula Keldrama have like no semblance of that, really at all. They they get on their like communicator, their hollow communicator, sort of towards the beginning, and Exar Kun is like, "I'm gonna turn more Jedi," and Ex- and Ula Keldrama is like, "Great, screw you! I'm going to Coruscant to blow it up." And Exar Kun, <laughs> Kun is like, "No, no, no! Don't do that!" And Ula is like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that." So <laughs> you, go ahead and stop me. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to clash sabers again or whatever. But he didn't say right. that. But like, so it, it's weird because there doesn't seem to be sort of any master apprentice thing going on. And also, by yeah. the way, sometimes I don't get this when they say I'm going to train you and I'm the master and the apprentice. Like, I don't. It's never really clear what that training is, and also right. to what degree they they have that master apprentice thing. But also. In other media that have dealt with Sith and Sith talking about the, at least the two Sith, the apprentice always kind of rises by offing the master. Right. But it's, but it's also expected. Like it's like, that's the way they do it, you know, but like, there's no sense of any of that stuff here. Mm -hmm. So is that sense of like, 
the master or the apprentice rises by killing the master. Is that, has that not even arrived in star Wars yet at this point in history? I feel like it hasn't because I think that that kind of goes along with the rule of two. And I hmm. definitely don't think the rule of two is in effect because Exar Kun is going to train like eight Jedi, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there's not, that's not, and then, and then that's to pull the rule our heads, of nine, you know, right? And to pull to pull our heads out of the story, the rule of two has not ever existed in any of the stories to this right. point either, right? Right, right, yeah, yeah. 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 So, when did just, when did Darth Bane exist? Like, where where is he on the timeline? Do you know? Oh man, because I feel like it's actually quite a while ago. Because so here's the thing: is we're doing bonus content for our readers or our followers who are listening to this. We are doing a, a playthrough of Knights of the Old Republic as part of our process. It's going very slow for me. I haven't played much of it, but same. Um, <laughs> but just so you know, Rich, Knights of the Old Republic takes place about 45 years after this set of comics occurs and in knights of the old republic that master apprentice thing is very clear so somewhere in the intervening years of well and this makes sense because there was these stories these comics right and then whatever else was going on star wars and then there was phantom menace and attack of the clones and then knights of the old republic appeared in like 2003 or whatever it was so what i mean by that is the rule of two or the idea of two sith occurred between this stuff and the creation of Knights of the Old Republic, the game, which has it sort of very clearly laid out as okay. there's the master and the apprentice. And one of them's the top dude and one of them's the, the bottom. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a Sith bottom, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> But so, so what I'm saying is, like, as we po- as you poke your head out of the story, right, you see other bits of the collected media having that influence on other things as you okay. go along. Okay, can we assume that Darth Bane is somewhere before Knights of the Old Republic, or is he after Knights of the Old Republic? I'm I'm on Wikipedia right now. Okay, yeah. So Darth, ba- according to Wikipedia, in the Legends area which is where we're in right now although who gives a shit but in terms of the knowledge of the of the of the how you set it up right right darth bane instituted the rule of two one thousand years before the battle of yavin so two thousand or three thousand years after these events is when the rule of two was really set up See, I kind of wonder if there's more to it than we realize because in knights of the old republic it is very clear that because there is there are a lot there is a Sith Empire there. So there's okay. tons of people who are like, I'm a Sith citizen, here's my Sith ID card, right? <laughs> but there is still like a Lord and a second in command guy who are okay. like former Jedi or whatever who are the dudes. You know what right. I mean? Who are the 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 head two people. Okay. So the rule of two must be something else in addition to that. But just but just so we're aware, I do think that that rule of two even if it didn't become a thing in the legends storyline until about a thousand years before the battle of Yavin, there's an influence there that is greater than this story acting on Knights of the old Republic. I think. Is it possible that it's different sects of Sith 
I don't know. That's a good, that's a good thought. I don't know. That's confusing because I had in my head, I had this timeline that, you know, that, that everything was going to kind of be in disarray and then Darth Bane's going to come and he's going to say, look, there's only going to be two people and the rest of you can be, you know, Sith bros, but there's only two that are in charge. There's the big guy and there's the assistant to the regional Sith. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and this just kind of blows that out of the water. Yeah. So this is definitely something as we, as we go along, we got to get, conceptually tighter about it i guess yeah because yeah. i don't know all of the bits and pieces the the nascent idea is at work here right because because exarkuna is the the number one and right. ulig is the number two and there are there is no number three there is no named person who if ulig dies then this guy gets to jump into the slot right 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 there's no whatever hmm. so it's clearly it clearly even if it doesn't follow what we would think of as the rule of two later, it already shows elements of that by being two people who are more or less in charge of everything. I think this rule of two idea has the smell of like being born out of what it almost started to smell like anyway. You know what I mean? By the time we talk about that, whenever that might be, right. this podcast will be preserved in history as like the dumbest thing I ever said. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know the real right. thing. You know, well, that doesn't so, mean that, that doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means that we don't have the information. It just means we'll you're an ignorant motherfucker who can't <laughs> do the damn thing right. Hey, I wasn't going to say it. But. <laughs> so yeah, the Sith, those two guys' interaction, whether or not it's the rule of two officially, is still weird because the spirit said you're the chief and you're the junior, right. and the junior guy is like, "Fuck you, right? I'm doing my thing. Maybe we'll catch up and have dinner sometime, or right? Whatever. Right." And like Exarcoon, just like after the hollow, after the hollow call switches off, just kind of like grumbles to himself. Fucking guy never listens to anything. <laughs> the fucking Sith spirit said that I was the boss and he he's was just, supposed to be the leader. He's just jealous he of my power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck does he think he is, man? <laughs> Ella comes back on. What was that? Nothing, nothing, oh, man. It's fine. Go to Coruscant. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, Dad. No. I'll go. I'll go clean my room. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Goddamn Sith Lord. <laughs> but later on, okay. So later on, they're gonna paint Alec as kind of the victim. Like they're gonna like the, like one of the one of the masters is like, nah, man, he's the victim. He's not really a bad guy. And yet. He attacked Coruscant on his own. This is his choice. This is this is something that I still don't. I don't get this in the whole thing. Like, yeah. like how the Jedi can be like, oh, poor Ulic, when he's like killing. <laughs> frankly, Ulic right. kills more people than Alex Arcoon ever does. Like, right. Ulic does more evil in terms of like immediate actions than Arcoon ever does. Even right. if Arcoon had designs possibly for like more grander evil. Uh, yeah. He never got to enact it. He right. like, Ulick was the one who like pew, 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 blow up stuff on Coruscant. Right. And these other places too. And Exar Kun is off like meditating in the forest on the super dark side powers or whatever that he's kind of going after. Right. So he's got, like, he's got more grandiose plans, but his, his gets interrupted. Yeah. His and, execution is not as good as Ulick's. Right. You know, in terms of, right like what he wants to do. Right. So, I mean, I, I mean, they both ultimately fail 
in those things. But that's true. But it looks storms the castle, and Exarchoon is more like. Scroll and later, <laughs> dark side guy. <laughs> Fear me and stuff. Fear me and stuff. This, yeah. Di- yeah, this did have. This also did have to me too. This weird sense of like, the the whole arc is called the Sith War. Right. It didn't feel very warish to me though. I mean, no. I get how you would define it as a war because there are several conflicts. It was like the Empress Tita system. This one other like shipyard place, and then right. Coruscant, out of right. umpteen thousand systems in the galaxy. Right. It's those kind of three places, and even those three places didn't have like protracted engagements. It was like, boo boo boo, gotcha, now I'm good. And then you go here, and you're boo boo boo, gotcha, now I'm good. It doesn't have that feel right. of a war to it. Right, there was no drawn-out no. battle or anything like that. Yeah. It, it, what it was was kind of, it struck me as kind of, like, back in the day, I played a lot of, like, Call of Duty, and there was, a, I don't remember which, which, which Call of Duty it was, but, like, if you got enough kills in a row, you could drop a nuke and end the match, it'd be done. This struck me as, because, because later on, What's-Her-Face... I can't remember. I cannot remember her name. The the evil seductress that uh, that went after Alima. 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 She is going to pull the heart of a star out and start this chain reaction. That's basically it's going to blow up an entire system. Yeah. Right. That's the yeah. nuke. Right. Yeah. So like, it ends rather abruptly. It starts yeah. abruptly, and it's not protracted, and it's. You're right. It's it's more of a it's more of the Sith skirmish than anything else. Yeah. You know? Or the the series of Sith skirmishes. Yeah. I guess that doesn't sound as impressive as the Sith war. It doesn't seem very just like how I would think of as a war at all. Right. And I don't understand what the stakes were for Alec and Exarchun. Like they wanted to bring down the galaxy and rebuild it, right? That's that's basically their that's their plot that's their whole thing, but there's no stakes for them. I mean, what are the stakes? What's what their their evil plan doesn't happen? Oh darn! Right? I guess we'll regroup, regroup and try it again or something, right? Like yeah, this is something I wrote down actually it tied into this. Yeah, is that even because I think we talked about this before? I still don't quite understand what Exarchun and Ulekaldroma stand for. Right. I don't know. Like, I know their goal is to be like, like they want the Republic to be gone. Right. But what's, what's the why? There's like, let's have the golden age of the Sith again. But like, what made that so great? And what makes the Republic so not great? Right. This six issues left me with like, why, why do, not why do I care? Why do Exar Kun and Ulykel Droma care right. about mopping up the galaxy and making a new thing. Especially given that Exar Kun can go to Yavin 4 and crown himself the king of that moon, essentially, and just be like, hey man, I'm cool. Let's do some dark side stuff. Yeah. Why, why is his ambition... Why, why, what, what makes him think that he has to go further to, to wipe out the whole galaxy and like start it fresh with Sith ideas? What are those ideas? What, are, what do the Sith stand for in their ideals about society, about how things ought to work. It's a valid question. You know, you could answer the question for the dark Lords as like a purely like a power thing. Like I totally get off on being powerful. 
Right. But for there to be a golden age, it can't just be a series of, of people getting off on being powerful and nothing else going on. Like the populace of that old empire, whatever that was, mm-hmm. had to at least somewhat be like, cool, we are Sith and that is awesome. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's something missing from these books, I think. Yeah. Which I think is why there is a series called The Golden Ages of Sith. To kind of uh, explain what that all to, is. To maybe explain what that all is. So in the prequel trilogy, they deal a lot with the politics of the Republic and how it's rotten a little bit. And there's, there's, a, there's meaning behind it. And I remember thinking, you know, when I came out of Phantom Menace, like, who the fuck cares about trade disputes? The fuck? This is not Star Wars, you know? Yeah. And yet here we are wondering, well, why? What, what was their motivation? <laughs> we had the motivation, right? And I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. Don't get me wrong. But, like, why did I have that reaction to Phantom Menace? You had that reaction. To, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, please. Uh, I need to know. I'm not, this sounds like I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not that big of a dick, but... Um, no, that's cool. I'm not. I'm not actually telling you why you must leave, but no, you but should. The I think the reason why the Trade Federation and all that didn't serve it well is because it was just so poorly done. Like the yeah. story was such fucking garbage that, like, if 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 there was a compelling story around all this Trade Federation and Confederation of Independent Systems and whatever Dooku was doing and whatever the droid army and whatever these other systems were like thinking about, mm-hmm. if there was a compelling thing about that, that would have been by definite, by, you know, that would have been axiomatically compelling. If it was compelling, right. it would be compelling. But it was not. It was shitty. I'll draw this distinction. The prequels had, I think, more fleshed out intentions but far shittier execution than than these yeah. than these books. These books didn't have the same intention, I think, of spelling out like a compelling reason why those guys would be like, here's why I want there to be another golden age of the Sith, because you know, nobody murdered puppies anymore or whatever, right? There was no right, there right. was no reason. There weren't they didn't even try to have a reason. So it wasn't like they failed is that they didn't even swing at the pitch at all. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas right. Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith struck out on that because they just swung and missed. Right. By just being so terrible at having compelling politics involved. You know? That makes that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I, I can get behind that. So yeah, my, like my, impo- my imposition, <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my thrusting of my idea into your head... Uh, uh, worked there in terms of the it's it's a rational it's a rational explanation okay. it makes a yeah, lot yeah. of sense it really does i mean I, you're right yeah. the execution on all of those prequels was very poor like they they did a lot of world building in these comics right like these mm-hmm. four arcs yeah. that we've read i mean they have spent a lot of time fleshing out like this world yeah if, if they had taken the effort that went into that and put it into like you said this this trade federation story in Phantom Menace, maybe maybe I would have cared more. Maybe yeah. it would have mattered to me more, you know? Yeah. I think the other thing that the prequels didn't have, just as an aside, the other thing that the prequels had going against it is that we knew that Obi-Wan was going to survive. 
We knew yeah. that R2-D2 would survive. We knew that C-3PO would, just, would survive. We knew that the kids would survive. We knew that Darth Vader would survive and the Emperor yeah. would survive. Where were the stakes? Where were yeah. the actual stakes for that movie? Yeah. And, and then he leaned a little bit too much into the whole, oh, you're in peril. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that Padme was going to actually get like turned into molten metal because yeah. she has to have Luke and Leia and she hasn't had them yet. Hello. Yeah. We already know, you know? Yep. The inherent problem with a, sequ- a prequel is that, that you kind of yeah. know where those characters are going. And I think if you, do you watch Better Call Saul? No. Uh, Breaking Bad prequel? Yeah. You've you seen Breaking Bad, right? I see, yeah, I love Breaking Bad. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, the pr- Better Call Saul is absolutely fantastic because it does not take the, the, the bent of, oh, he's in trouble you know, or any of that. They don't, they don't spend the time on, oh, Jimmy's in trouble. Now what's going to happen? They spend the time on how does he go from, you know, kind of clueless dipshit to, you know, to Saul Goodman, Saul Goodman, you know, like, how does he do that? And what's that journey like, you know? So I think that, I think that there's a fine line there. And I think that George Lucas just didn't know where that line was. Maybe Just, just writing wise couldn't get there. Right. Right. Something that was interesting to me was they, they bring up the idea that the Jedi are the spark that's going to ignite the fire, right? In this, in this, in this arc, one of, the, one of the Jedi, one of the masters say, we're the spark. And you know, we're, we're kind of, the, we're kind of that, that impetus, right? And they bring that idea into the sequel trilogy, at least in the middle part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, like, no, that's I saw actually, little yeah. things in there that. that like I get that. that yeah. Yeah. That have continued influence or whatever on the on the rest of the right. the, the material. And I don't know if that I don't know if like they I don't know if Ryan Johnson saw that and said, Hey, that's a great idea. I'm gonna use that, you know, or whatever, but either way. But but either way, it it, it has a it bears a conceptual similarity to it. It does kind of fit this light dark thing too. Right, a spark right. is necessarily light, right. unless you're unless you're using dark fire. In which case, call me later and talk to me how you're doing that because I don't understand that. <laughs> I'm the spark will re- that will light the dark flame of darkness to I pierce will the light. No secrets, with- <laughs> <laughs> like an anti-fire or whatever you know. Anti-fire. You said that you know the spark is necessarily light, right? And when you think about the presence of the dark side in, in these comics and even in the, the sequel trilogy, it's kind of mm-hmm. like a presence, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Presence. And in, in fact, even in the comic, there's early on, I can't remember which arc it was, but there was a, there was like a physical presence of darkness. Like, Oh, it's so dark. I it's so dark. It hurts my butthole or whatever. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. I don't remember right. what it was. I know there was buttholes involved. But I, don't exactly is, I don't remember which butthole. Was some <laughs> yeah. butthole Who, whose butthole it was? No one knows. Ah, <laughs> uh, college. Anyway, um, <laughs> the ah uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Jedi college, right? Ah <laughs> uh, Jedi college. So that spark then means something thematically within these comics too, right? Because if you think about it as like this imposing presence of actual physical darkness, a spark would light up that area. Right, right. That tracks in terms of how Nomi Sunrider and her master talk about her power to turn off the faucet for somebody. You know what right. I mean? Right. And also when she when she meditates on the Force, she describes it 
like a great calm sea with light coming from its depths. So when Kylo Ren talks about feeling the pull of the light or whatever, is he experiencing something akin to like physical lightness, like light or flame or whatever? Or, or because the way that they describe Nomi Sunrider to like cut somebody off is to like blast them with light that's so intense that it's just like nukes their force stability entirely or whatever. You know? Yeah. So I guess I never even thought of the light. I never thought of the light and dark as literally that, you know, as literally visually being like darkness. I was, yeah. I always interpreted the, the dark side as being metaphorical. Like, metaphor the dark side of your soul or whatever you know what I sure mean? Like, yeah and the light side just being like you know the that part of you that doesn't want to like hate and kill and shit like that well, these the comics yeah are describing the light and dark side as like light and dark right that's interesting physical manifestations physical physically so right mm-hmm. yeah. Nomi or whoever is like it's so dark mm-hmm. when they're struck by the dark side and then they yeah. use the light to like blind them to the force or whatever Right. Interesting. Hmm. Huh. Just something that just something that I, I noticed and and I thought maybe there's something there's, to that. There's something to it, even if it and I don't know and obviously we don't know what it is yet, but I'm gonna right. now it's something I'm gonna ha- hold in my head as we talk about other things because even if it means nothing or even if it doesn't sort of reappear too much that way in the future in any other media right. that we sort of look at, it does at least tell you Kevin Anderson's conceptualization of the force and how that informs the stories he writes about the force. So these comics, the novels, I think he does another novel work too later on. Yeah. Maybe even newer stuff um, that he's involved in. So it would be, it would be interesting to see kind of where his conception of that continues out. You know, that's something that I'm not saying we have to do this now, obviously, right. But, this idea or this thought of following one creator, whether it's a writer or artist or whatever through their star Wars path would be a very interesting thing to, that could be. Yeah. Yeah. To, to do, you know, Hmm. because, because Zahn is, I think Zahn is showing up again these days with stuff, right? He's got a a new throne. He's writing, he's writing new stuff. And like between, you know, heir to the empire and now, approximately 8 trillion Star Wars things have happened. Right. Right. That right. he surely has partaken of at least some of those things. So that's true. The, the influence on him. And then of course, however he is handcuffed by Lucasfilm or, or Disney or whatever now with what he might want to do versus what they're like, no, don't do that kind of stuff. will tell that like that by itself will tell a fascinating story. The Zahn of the past and the Zahn now, the Kevin Anderson of the past, Kevin Anderson now and all these things that by themselves, especially, especially the Zahn one would be so because he didn't do anything between the second Thrawn books and the now Thrawn stuff. Right. No, I mean, well, he no, he did. He did. He did a couple. He did uh, outbound flight. He did uh, choices of one, which dealt with um, Mara Jade and I s- allegiance, I think, which I think has to do with uh, like a, Stormtrooper story, like okay. from a Stormtrooper's perspective, nothing on the scale of, say, the Spectre of the Past duology and the the Heir to the Empire trilogy, uh-huh. 
but one off. But there story. are things. There are yeah. things. Well, an outbound flight is like kind of tells the story of the outbound flight project that they. Well, and when, so when when did he publish those things? Do you remember? Oh God, I don't remember at all. I'd have to look it up. I'd have. Was to it like it years ago? Was it like in the nineties or whatever? I, I would say probably within the last twenty years. Okay. So sometime between two thousand two thousand twenty, I think. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think so. Well, you better get fucking sure. I will. I will do my. I will do I my can, best. It, you know. So, you know, Paul. It's not hard. I can allow just me, look it up. <laughs> allow me to. I like this. Well, I'm gonna do it this way, and you can go and fuck you, yourself. You can go fuck yourself, <laughs> Eggs Arcoon. You're not my master, master. Okay, so is it me or did Eggs Arcoon play himself? Like, did he just create his own problem by getting totally. stuck in the forest? Right. Totally. What was he, he trying he really to do? Did. He was he was trying to avenge Master Arca, right? Right, who was killed on that in that droid right. thing on the previous set, right? But like, like dude was told so many times by so many people, hey man, that's not a good idea. Right, you're gonna like you're gonna fall to the dark side. You know what I mean? Like, right. bro, be careful. And then every step of the way, they're like, ooh, like, and he's like, sorry dark side man what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah. but uh, like we just told you you fucking nimrod like yeah okay so i guess it's kind of why you have to have the i mean i don't know i guess i don't really have to but like that's why the sith poison that he got stabbed with or shot with is part of the equation here because you almost you almost you hope to think that without that he kind of be like he would be like you know what those guys were right yeah you know like yeah. Everything is happening exactly as they said it would. Yeah. Maybe time to duck out. He did like ah, fall to the dark side, man. Oh, got poisoned. I'm definitely in now. <laughs> ah, you know what? Ah, shoot. Ah, ah shoot, you guys. The dark side got me. <laughs> I guess I'll have to kill one of you. That that arc of his, right? This falling to the dark side and then coming back to the light in a way. Now, is he back? Is Alec back? On well, he's, the light, he's well, he doesn't he's have any of, force abilities. He's right? kind of nowhere, really. So he's neutral. Although he's, right? although I, I'm pretty sure, he even though he can't touch the force, he he is like, oh, what have I done? You know, he like, right. he at least sees the folly of trying to do what he did and fall into the dark. Okay, but he no longer is like, he might he might be like, hey guys, the light, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I can't touch it anymore, but that's pretty good. Right. Do that. You know? Well, and I mean, for what the the, the little um, after that little uh, epilogue takes place two and a half years later, and he's still trying to figure out how to get back in touch with the force. The force. Yeah, maybe get his power back or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so that's that leads me into my next question for you. And this, I know that Kylo Ren fell to the dark side and came back. Alec has fallen to the dark side and was cleansed of that that poison. Right, cleansed of that that yeah. influence of the dark side by, by removing the force altogether from him. Right. Yeah. We're cutting him off from him off from the force. Have we ever seen a bona fide Sith? Now, Kylo Ren was not a Sith. Kylo Ren was a Knight of Ren, right? They made a big to do out of that, except that it just like every other JJ Abrams thing, you saw, you saw the Star Trek, like the Into Darkness, right? Where it's like, oh, no, he's not playing Khan, except he's totally playing Khan, right? Yeah, that's Khan. Right. That's yeah. Khan. It's not Khan. It's just Khan, you know? This is the exact same thing. Like, he's not, well, he's not Sith. He's a Knight of Ren. Well, what are the Knight of Ren? Well, they're Dark Force users. You mean like Sith? Yeah, but no, not really, you know? 
But anyway. Yeah. So official canon, he's not Sith, but he fell to the dark side and he came back to the light. Have we ever seen an actual bona fide Sith that started out dark, went to the light, and came back? And came back to the dark. Came back to the dark side. Because we've got we've got Jedi falling to the dark side. We've got Sith turning to the light. They ever go back? I don't know. And you know what? As I think about that, I don't even know. So the story of, like, so far, at least in what we've gone through and anything I've experienced, any of the Sith that I'm aware of started out as Jedi anyway. Right. That's right. Yeah, they have. So, like... Back when, and maybe this other story, this other comic series will address that if we decide to go into it. Like, how did, like, back when, when the Sith are just, like, popping up everywhere, you know, like, how did they, how did they, like, grow up their little Sith babies then? <laughs> you know, like, did the Sith have, like, the dark side force talent search program or whatever, you know, and, like, yeah. have the little detectors <laughs> and be, like, you know, almost like the Jedi, only just with the dark side, and they would, Right. Taken to the Sith Academy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and on anti-Coruscant or whatever, you know, and, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know the early story of Darth Maul or Darth Sidious right. well enough. Right. But I suspect those two might be to, not that they turn back and turn back, right. but, but even just looking for examples of people who started on the dark turn to light and then went back to dark right right those two might might be the only two that i know of who started at with the needle on the dark part and i only say that because i don't know their stories you know right yeah i I don't know whether darth sidious was always dark side aligned but but to your to your question though yeah i don't think so i don't think i've ever we've ever seen that i want to know more about this how this how this works flipping from the light to the dark because we talked about a little bit, and I don't remember if we were, I don't think we were recording when we talked about this, but like there's no consequences for, say, Kylo Ren flipping from the dark to the light at the end. He can't live. He can't survive. Yeah. Because if he does, he's going to have to go to trial. He's there's going no, to have to be he, held accountable for the millions of people. If he survives, he, he needs to be put to justice right. in some way. Yes. Right. And if he really is on the side of the light, then he would just give himself over you right? just accept that sort right of, yeah so coming back from the dark to the light ends in death um because it would be narratively unfulfilling for them to be like all right yeah come on back to the light and now you gotta go to prison sir come you with me. rascal you wise guy come here yeah. We're gonna go all, right, you wise guy. <laughs> all right knucklehead get back in your room and <laughs> think about what you did when those with all those holocausts and murders and stuff, you know. Joe, yeah. get the paddy wagon. We got another one of those dark siders. Come back to the light. <laughs> get your Sith cuffs. Um, the, where, but you're, yeah, that's interesting though, because the Sith, the Sith, uh, you'd think that the Sith motivation would be the opposite of that, right? Right. Like they'd be like cel- fucking celebration time, like <laughs> right back oh, from the light to, to the dark. Somebody? Yeah, let's kill some more shit. I'm not gonna hold you to justice. I'm just gonna be like, dude, let's go be evil now. You're going to be a you fucking know. hero. Get over here. Yeah. You get killed how here. many Jedi on your way back over to the dark? Get over here. Mm, get over you, you. Get this guy a trophy. Yeah, um, you. Oh, you. We always knew you'd come back, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we knew you weren't gone forever. <laughs> and that brings me to this, this frame of mind where, where we talked about earlier, and I think we've talked about it before even, that there's not really a set of defined – there's not like a want list for the Sith, you know? 
like uh, oh, we want we want galactic peace we want free health care and yeah. we want right there's no no you know and doesn't seem to be to anybody listening i am not equating free health care to being sith i'm just saying like there's no <laughs> they have there's no demands right? right there are no demands right so it made me think as i was reading this this arc this time i thought about other comics that i've read that that have that have a good side and a bad side and, and comics are very black and white in that way there's good mm-hmm. sides and bad sides in a lot of these cases right you've got and the one that i came to the most was x-men yep. right and you've got flip sides of the same coin right they both want the same thing acceptance for mutants but yep. xavier and magneto they go at it in completely different ways the difference isn't what they want it's in their methodology yeah. to get there right yep and my thought on this was well maybe the sith and the jedi want the same thing but maybe the methodology is different right but there's yeah. like what how can they possibly want the same things they seem they seem so diametrically opposed right they are not flip sides of the same coin like Xavier and Magneto. They're not flip sides of the same coin like Doom and Reed Richards. They are. They are. They are. They are, they're, they're like, they're like, give the puppy water or shoot the puppy. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That, whereas say Magneto and, and Xavier would be like, the puppy needs water. I think we need to kill those humans over there to get the water that we need because they're the ones yeah. keeping it. And, and, and Xavier would be like, we need to negotiate with the humans to get the water for the puppy. Yeah. You yeah. Know, exactly. Magneto would be like, I'm taking fucking water. But one this way puppy or the needs other. water. Right. You fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Just quit, quit starving puppies. So what is it about? I, I want to know what it is. The Sith want what I still don't know what their end game is. So I, I, I kind of think that that makes that the, our possible next stop is the Golden Age of the Sith. So, so in the Tales of the Jedi, we have three chunks left. Right. We have in the time prior to what we've discussed, Golden Age of the Sith and Fall of the Sith Empire. Right. And then post what we've read is the redemption arc about Ulick and Nomi and her daughter and stuff like that. I'm kind of with you in that I still need to understand what they're even fucking fighting for. Yeah. Will you, why do you care about the Golden Age of the Sith? Right. So my, I think my vote kind of goes to Golden Age of the Sith as a discussion for next time. Yeah. Down with that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that seems that seems like it's doable, right? I mean, reading that yeah, amount I think is so. not difficult. I, we, I mean, we have always, we have done it every time, so. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll rock that then. We'll keep. We'll stick with the uh, the tales of the Jedi. Oh, I get the yeah. feeling we're gonna. This, this has been a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, well, and it's been a Maybe rich. It has been a rich source of some of the stuff that we sort of started out wondering about. You right. Know what I mean, and we, and the other thing that we're doing here then is if we're continuing on with this, we are going to kind of continue with one author. Yeah. So all this whole thing is Kevin J. Anderson. So, so we are getting. We are getting like the Kevin J. Anderson perspective on the force the dark side the light side the jedi all this kind of stuff the kevin j anderson um also kind of makes kevin j anderson, at least i don't so i don't know the rest of the stuff about the past of the sith 
but right. it kind of makes Kevin Anderson as the guy, at least main so dude, far, right? Yeah, who, like invented the history of the Sith. At least, right. at least the start of it. You know what I mean? Right. At least the kicked it off. I mean, I know that if you go on Wikipedia, you'll see like umpteen bazillion, you know, Sith lords that are named and whatever and talked about. But I think with this arc and with the Jedi Academy books was really the start of like discussing Sith Lords other than Darth Sidious and Darth right. Vader. Right. So yeah, he is, at, at least it seems like he is very much the, the father of the Sith, so to speak. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way of looking at it actually. All right. Well, I think we've okay. got our well, I think then. we, I think we, uh, I think we call it for tonight then. Yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks for listening to Great Disturbances. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on Facebook by searching for at Great Disturbances and on Twitter at G Disturbances. See you later!